The Stoic Jew podcast content for the month of May has been made possible by Dan Horowitz, who has graciously taken up my experimental request for an accountability sponsorship in hopes that this will result in more Stoic Jew content. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is from Epictetus's Enchiridion, the Handbook, Chapter 3. With respect to any of those things you find attractive or useful or have a fondness for, recall to mind what kind of thing it is, beginning with the most trifling. So, if you are fond of an earthenware pot, say, I am fond of an earthenware pot. Then you will not be upset if it gets broken. When you kiss your child or wife, say that you are kissing a human being. Then, should they die, you will not be distressed. Okay, so, uh, I have recorded uh, several episodes about my uh, my fundamental disagreement or disagreements with Epictetus. Uh, and uh, I've often come back to this one. Uh, for example, in my episode about... Uh, the the Jedi, <laughs> uh, which I will link in the um, in the comments. Then uh, I I took the angle of of criticizing Epictetus for the inhumanness of this kind of approach to Stoicism, and I still stand by that. Uh, but today's episode is about a new a new disagreement, or I guess maybe a a uh, an awareness of a subdivision within my disagreement with Epictetus. Okay, let me explain what I mean. Uh, I focused on the fact that Epictetus's particular brand of Stoicism seems to promote a sort of uh, unhealthy denial or suppression of one's own emotions, uh, especially in the realm of attachment. Okay, but I am I yesterday I started reading a book uh, which is very good so far called The Anatomy of Peace: Resolving the Heart of Conflict by the Arbinger Arbinger Institute. Uh, recommended to me by one of my students. And I'm only about 50-something pages through, but it seems like one of the central uh, theses uh, thesis of the book is, is the difference between relating to people as human beings versus relating to people as objects. Or to put it in brisker terminology for those who are familiar, is are you relating to this person as a gavra or a chefza? Okay, person or object. Um, and... I think that because Epictetus places so much emphasis on on differentiating between what you can control and what you can't control, which is good, I'm I'm totally in favor of that, but I think it also lends itself to a pitfall of regarding all things outside of your realm of control as objects, objects that can that can, you know, that pose uh I guess that interact with you, that pose threats in the sense of of uh, creating impressions in your imagination, which you succumb to that are unrealistic, or opportunities for making correct choices. And I think it's easy to just fall into that trap and and start regarding all the people around you as objects instead of people. Okay, um, I saw a critique of Stoicism. Oh, I should mention by the way, I, I always am very reluctant to start talking about a book when I'm only partway through it. Uh, and so I, I treat this as a as an insight that, like a nascent burgeoning insight that I want to capture uh, while it's emerging. Uh, this might change by the time I'm done with the book, but I just, I was thinking about this this morning when I was reading the book and I, I felt like I had to, to record it. Um, but I, I was also thinking about this because when I was preparing for last, for yesterday's episode or two days ago, I guess, uh, I was, I read a critique by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs 
of Stoicism. Uh, the title of the article is An Ecology of Love. So I just want to read a few, uh, three paragraphs from that, that article. So first he says, quote, so consider worst case scenarios and realize that the worst that can happen is not that bad. Don't get too attached to anyone or anything and you will spare yourself the tragedy of loss. Don't be afraid to die because as Epicurus put it, when we are here, death is not. And when death is here, we are not. Besides which, if life gets too bad, you can always end it. The Stoics accepted suicide with astonishing equanimity. Their highest aspiration was apatheia, a passionless equanimity in the face of all things, all fates. There is something noble, if also inhuman, something inhuman about this view of life. Okay, end quote. So that really was my previous critique of, Epic, uh, of Epictetus' Stoicism because it's, uh, it promotes a certain inhuman uh, inhumanness <laughs> uh, and, uh, and lack of sensitivity and, and, and the suppression of emotion. Okay, but then Rabbi Sachs goes on and gives another critique. Okay, quote, Why then was I never attracted to this way of life? Because it is risk-averse, because it celebrates detachment rather than attachment, because it lacks the exuberance and vulnerability of love, because it is about the self and self-control rather than about opening oneself to the other, because it is predicated on keeping the rest of humanity at a distance, because it plays it safe. It is no accident that the heroes of these recent books, and they are real heroes, tend to be soldiers. He's talking about the, the popular uh, books about Stoicism. It is no accident that the heroes of these recent books, and they are all heroes, tend to be soldiers under fire, prisoners of war, hostages or victims of terror, people who survive the kind of adversity that would break the rest of us. Such, uh, under such circumstances, the Stoic virtues are indeed life-saving and awe-inspiring. But to think of this as a metaphor for life as a whole is strange indeed. How did people come to think of this way? End quote. So he goes on and 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 develops his critique of stoicism, but I just wanted to focus on that last part that he he's saying that there is a place for for this type of inhuman risk averse detachment emphasizing stoicism, and uh, that's in a time of war. For example, the um, what is the book called? Uh, give me one second. There is a small pamphlet that I read a long time ago by James Bond Stockdale. Hold on a second. James Bond Stockdale uh, called, I think it's called, is it, yeah, Courage Under Fire, Testing Epictetus's Doctrines in the, in the Laboratory of Human Behavior. So this was a, um, a, uh, a military man. I, I don't remember his rank. I think he was an admiral. I don't know if he was an admiral then, uh, who was, uh, who was a prisoner of war in Vietnam for many years and suffered incredibly harsh, torture and conditions and was a student of, Ep of Epictetus and he used Epictetus's teachings to make it through um, to make it through the the war and uh, I'm sure that in order to do that I mean I, I have to reread his book through this lens but I would guess that that Actually, I don't want to hazard a guess. <laughs> I'll just—I I don't want to speculate about what he did. I would say that I would—I would certainly understand why, uh, how, if he viewed his tormentors as objects or as animals rather than human beings, how it would make it easier to endure the what 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 they imposed upon him. So that's kind of what Rabbi Sachs is talking about here. That that for a soldier's mentality, then this could be very useful. But for a philosophy of life as a whole, then it promotes a an inhuman way of relating to other people and i uh, uh, the reason why i'm i'm putting I, i'm framing this in terms of a criticism of epictetus's stoicism and not stoicism in general is because i don't find this in marcus aurelius's stoicism in fact i've i've recorded several episodes about 
how Marcus Aurelius's Stoicism, even though it's based on many of the same premises, promotes compassion towards other human beings and and really a looking into them and 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 an empathy and a a seeing that they are are people who are trying to do good just like you. So I, I do think that this is a criticism of Epictetus per se, not Marcus Aurelius. Seneca, I'm not sure about, actually. I, 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 again, I have to go back and look at him through this lens. But I was also thinking about the fact that in our ethics, in Judaism, which is based on the halakhta bedrachav, is walking in God's ways, then that is a very, by definition, uh, subject-oriented ethic, not an object-oriented ethics. What do I mean by that? So we maintain that that God relates to the rest of the creation as objects, uh, and when even when it comes to organisms, he relates to them uh, by their species, not by their individual. God does not care, so to speak, about individual specimens. But when it comes to human beings, God cares about the species, but he also cares about individuals. That's the whole idea of hashgacha pratis, of, of personal divine supervision or, uh, or intervention, however you want to translate that. Uh, and the idea is that God relates to each one of us as, as, as individuals, as subjects, not as, as objects, the way that he relates to other creations. And so therefore when we, when Judaism sets up its, its ethical mandate by saying you should imitate God, uh, and mahu nikra rachum afatahiye rachum, just like God is called merciful, so too you should be merciful. Mahu nikra chanun afatahiye chanun, just like God is called gracious, you should be gracious, and so on. So, so the part we usually focus on is the specific behavior that, just like God conducts Himself towards human beings in a merciful and gracious ways, and so on, so too you should. But what I'm saying here, what I'm suggesting here, is that God relates to human beings as individuals as humans, as, as subjects, not as objects. And that should be part of our, uh, that should be the foundation of our ethics as well. So I want to end with just a humble example of this, humble in the sense that this is a very like mundane thing. So uh, the today I'm recording this on December 15th and uh, I uh, live in the state of New York and I had to enroll in health, my health care, my health insurance through the New York state government website. Uh, because it was due today. Now, I, I enrolled in it well in advance, but I'm always a little suspect, uh, suspicious about about government websites. And I noticed that even though I enrolled a while ago, I didn't get any sort of confirmation that my enrollment went through. So, so yes, uh, so two days ago, I called, I waited on hold on the most annoying hold ever. It really put a test to my, <laughs> to my, uh, my uh, stoic techniques here. Uh, you could listen to the, uh, the episodes about the ice cream truck uh, for, for details on that. And finally, I got in touch with a customer service person who was very nice, but she was not so helpful because she was not so clear. And not only was she not clear, but she basically told me to do something. And we, I was on the phone with her for about a half an hour, and I did what she said, and it actually created more problems so then yesterday I had to call and wait on hold again. This is again, a day before the thing is due. And I got in touch with another customer service person. And so she had to walk me through how to undo what the other customer service person told me to do. Now, this second person was very, very helpful. And I was very relieved that she was able to help me. And she spoke with me candidly and honestly, but kindly. And it, it, you know, and it, I, uh, I 
was very grateful towards her. And when she asked at the end of the call if there's anything else I could do, I uh, I did what my mom always says to do, which is to ask to speak to her supervisor or ask if there's a way to to basically commend her and uh, and and uh, and formally register how happy I am at the service that she provided. And so she so I told this to her, and she was very taken aback by it, and very. Uh, uh, I, I could hear the happiness in her voice, and and it was interesting because she couldn't <laughs> she couldn't work the system from her end to find a way for me to leave feedback for her uh, for her supervisor, uh, other than by having me say what I wanted to say, and then she would play the recording to her supervisor. So I basically had to praise her in her presence, so to speak. So I did, and and what I what I said was just that. You know, I, I talked about the particular ways in which she was helpful, but I said that this really felt like I was talking to another human being and being treated as such uh, instead of, uh, of of talking to an inhuman customer service person and being treated as an inhuman customer. Uh, and this was before I read that passage in The Anatomy of Peace. And so I'm bringing it up now because I think that my experience with this customer service person uh, was a uh, an expression of this idea, but also I think that one of the reasons why she found it so, uh, why why she was so happy when I asked to to praise her to her supervisor, was because I'm sure she's not used to getting treated as, uh, by uh, you know as as a human being by the customers who are calling in, especially because she works for the government uh, on this phone service. So uh, I, I just thought that that was a good example of how I, I think that if I were in a strictly Epictetus mode. I would just relate to her as a, either an annoying or a useful stimulus, not as a human being. And I, I, I wanted to talk about this as I'm thinking about this insight because I, I want to be on guard against that tendency. Alrighty, that is it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zell and PayPal are matt-schneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewis at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. All you people out there, not objects. I never thought of you as objects. Uh, I'm a teacher. I have to think of you as people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's just how I'm wired. Thank you to my readers for reading, and thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.